1: From the AnteUp headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Antia poker PokerCast, and now here are two guys who think they know how to play poker: Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
2: It's October first, twenty twenty-one. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza, yeah, and I'm Scott Long. Yay! The World Series starts today.
0: Yay! <laughs> uh, somebody out there is cheering, I'm sure. <laughs> No, no, I'm serious. I mean, it's it's you know, I, I'm not boarding a plane to go out there this year. Uh, you certainly aren't, but uh, but it's good that it's back, right? Yeah, sure. It's been what, a good two years now, so um, and uh, it was interesting. There's a couple articles that have come out uh, about it. Uh, one was what's new this year, and you know, really, it's pretty evident what's new. <laughs> you know, it's right. it's in the fall instead of the summer. Uh, COVID is hanging over at, like a dark cloud. And uh, a bunch of new online events. That, that's that's really the summary. <laughs> <That's> funny, but, <laughs> so I think the good thing is it's just that it is its back. So, um, so uh, one of the things I do miss is that every year the Poker News um, upper staff uh, does predictions for the World Series. And uh, they did two – Two articles this year on it. Uh, I just plucked the first one because that's enough for us to talk about the show. But uh, definitely go to pokernews.com and you can read the, the second one if you want. But uh, interesting things for predicting, and it's, it's a hard year to predict, right? Yeah, so sure. It's uh, completely different than it ever has been, so very hard to make these predictions. So, um, so here, here's what I thought we could do we could go through these predictions. I will kind of give you a quick summary of what the Poker News staff was, and I think it's nine of them, including um, Andy Up, uh, Wisconsin ambassador Chad Holloway, who's their uh, executive editor. So nine people weighing in there. And then uh, and then you and I can throw in a couple guesses here. Sure. Just, you know, we're not in the know at all, so we'll make it even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the first one was, which Poker Pro will go on the first Twitter, Twitter rant of the year? And uh, those nine responses were pretty much split equally among Alan Kessler and Mike Matisau. Uh, but someone threw a Phil Helmuth in uh, just to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> so I guess what I forgot about this is a first Twitter rant. I was thinking the most Twitter rants, which would be a good race, I think, between Alan and Mike. Yeah. I don't really expect a Phil Helmuth Twitter rant. He He likes a random person more than Twitter. So... Uh, but the first one uh i I think you I think you got to go with Mike Madison on the first one
2: well this this kind of reminds me of the uh, who 's going to win the coin flip at the super Bowl kind of <laughs> yeah. right it 's just like the obvious thing that 's going to be the first thing that happens in the world series but i 'm going to go with Alan Kessler because I think that he he likes to bitch about the structures and stuff like that before you even play, so he he may get on some sort of rant even before you know Madison usually just reacts whereas you know, Kessler does a deep dive into everything, and so I, think, I bet you it's going to be Kessler.
0: Well, he, here's why I went with Madison so once I reread it and said first because I mean he, it's the interesting dichotomy here. So you have Alan Kessler, and they've both been tweeting away at this leading up to it. anyhow. So right. Alan is obviously vaccinated and has been tweeting about how these are going to be the hardest bracelets to win, be you know presumably in his opinion because uh, only smart people are going to be there because of the dumb dumb people aren't getting vaccinated, right? (laughs) Uh, And then you have Mike Manis on the complete other end, clearly not vaccinated, clearly hating the World Series for making uh, these mandates, um, so therefore probably won't be there. Um, So the first one, I... I, I think once it starts, I mean, he might even been starting today tweeting <laughs> about <laughs> how the series has started and, and what a big mistake they made. So that's why I think it might be the first one. It, it, Kessel will probably wait until he doesn't get a bracelet and complains about all the, the strong feels. <laughs> <laughs> so first one. Yeah, I think it's got to get Mattis out. But yeah, uh, Twitter, uh, those, those two. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a Twitter guy, but those two are uh, will be definitely interesting to watch. It's funny because if these were actual like things you could bet on in Vegas, you
2: could just bet on yourself and then go into a Twitter rant.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> you now,
2: yep. But uh, that's pretty funny. I'm going to go with Kessler.
0: All right. Uh, next one. What event do you think will create the most buzz? Um, and the answers were split almost evenly between the main event, the reunion, which is, uh, features the Hall of Famers with bounties on the heads, and that GG flip and go where everyone is all in on the first hand. I guess you have to define buzz. Well, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume they mean most talked about.
2: Yeah, it's weird because you always think are, of buzz as positive, you know, yeah, like yeah. like oh they're all oh, this is so cool the reunions here all the famous, oh it's so cool we're having a main event I can't anyone imagine anyone saying it's so cool that we all in all in on the first hand yeah. Yeah, you I, know I, they I, might I, bitch about it
0: it was probably a, an unfortunate word you're right buzz does have that connotation yeah. You know?
2: So oh, I think I think a lot of people are going to bitch about the flip and go. Although you can't really bitch about it, you're agreeing to it. So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. If you pluck down that at eleven hundred bucks, I mean, you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, it's your fault. So I'm going with the reunion.
0: Yeah, that's what I, I. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really see how it could not be. I mean, that is a truly unique event. Um, and it, it's really dripping in sentimental mental, sentimental. sentimental. <laughs> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Too early in the morning. Uh right so i mean you get all these hall of famers coming back presumably i mean i i would assume most of them as long as they're vaccinated will be back because it's a free uh free roll for them right yes um and uh you know it, it the way they did with the bounties like you get uh the bounties worth you know the year that you went in they, they did a really good job designing that i think so um, i think there's gonna be a lot of talk about the flip and go just because it is the not the novelty of it but um but the buzz, and I mean that in a positive way, too, like yeah, you are, but yeah. it has to be the reunion, right? Yeah, I I'm so. surprised that people talked about the, um, the main event. I mean, I, I think really the only buzz or discussion about the main event will be how small a field is, um, or if it somehow isn't a small field. Exactly. But other than that, I, I mean, there's nothing different about the main event this year than any other year,
2: agreed, I think.
0: Agreed. All right, next one, uh, considering the travel restrictions into the United States, how many non-Americans will win bracelets from the, well, they said 88 event schedule, but I, I think it's up to 99 <laughs> with those bracelets, the online bracelets. So. Oh, right. Well, I mean, it's... Well, sorry, their answers were uh, ranged from 11 to 33. I, I When I looked at that spread, I thought
2: definitely closer to 11. I mean, I I, I don't see them winning that many. They don't... I mean, there there are a lot that they win in past years, but they barely get to that number. Even when when it's a full, everybody can come into the country number. So, I, I would I would shade toward eleven.
0: Yeah. Um, so I I try to do a little math here, which uh, I'll explain later on for one of these other ones, um, and based on that math. I came up with um, about 29, but that was based on a 99 event schedule, and they're basing it on an 88 event schedule. So to be consistent with that, uh, I might drop that down to like 20, 25, maybe. Okay. Um, but but that math will make more sense when we get to this question. Yeah, I'm
2: thinking I'm thinking 15, 15, 18, something like that. I mean, maybe 20, but it's like, you know if if so many people are restricted or they'd have to prove that they're vaccinated and they have to get that test and all that to get into the country and all that and it's a lot of work and then they a lot of people here's the other thing people aren't really remembering is a lot of people who aren't in America are looking at America right now like wow we we can't go there not not because we're idiots but because this delta variant it's scaring the hell out of everybody and you know, and it's like a, a microcosm of that is Florida where we are. People don't want to come here and they don't want us going there. You know, yep. within the own country. So, you know, I, I think that uh, I think they're if they're thinking thirty three winners, I think they're overestimating how many people are actually gonna to wanna to come to this country for one tournament, you know, I mean one tournament series. So I'm going to go on the larger side in 15 to yeah, 20.
0: Yeah, I mean, what makes this so hard is all the things you mentioned, but also that it doesn't necessarily matter how many non-Americans play, just how well the ones that do play, right? I mean, right, right. You could have a couple double-bracelet winners from Canada or Austria or whoever <laughs> that make up that number, too. So that's what makes it very hard to predict as well, too. And it so. is going
2: to be a tougher field. I realize Alan's saying it because they're going to be smarter. But it is going to be a tougher field because professional players are probably going to dominate this now because that that's their way of life. The other people are like, you know what? i Am I really going to risk my hobby to be the thing that kills me? You know, so or makes me sick or makes me miserable or whatever. So, I don't know. I I see it on the low end there. So I, I was going to say we should have like a real wager, me and you. <laughs> but I, I can't afford to lose anything right now. So forget it.
0: Well, it doesn't have to be a uh, monetary wager.
2: Well, I'm not dressing up in like your favorite, you know, Game of Thrones character and walking yeah, down the street.
0: Maybe wear, uh, leave a Ford shirt around the house and I wear it. That's pretty funny. All right. Uh, which established pro will finally win his or her first bracelet this year? Uh, there were a lot of different opinions, but Dan Smith got three of the nine staffers' choice. Um, and certainly I think that's the, the smart money because he is the most. Um, an uh, established player uh, with the best resume so far out there, including tournament uh, winnings without a bracelet. So that certainly would be the person to put the money on. Um, but uh, one of the ones that I think is interesting is Maurice Hawkins, and people outside of Florida may not know him as well as those of us here in Florida because he really dominated Florida poker forever. Uh, but the dude has 14 circuit rings. Yeah, I know. It's insane. And Not a bracelet, so um, that would be one that I think I'd keep an eye on. Uh, another interesting one is Maria Ho doesn't have a bracelet yet either, too. Yeah, oh, that's right, a lot of deep runs as well, too. So, um, those would be people to look at, but uh, I'm going uh, with Tony Cusano. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> is he even playing anymore? I don't even know. Uh, that's a good question. I no wonder, but uh, it's yeah, funny yeah. the
2: other day, I, I got somebody. I'm going back to Connecticut next week, so uh, there's no show next week. By the way, I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to Connecticut for a week, and my school asked me to speak there. And I got contacted through LinkedIn by one of those students, and I'm like, LinkedIn? Oh my god, who, does anybody still use this thing? So I went on there, and I saw like a bunch of poker pros that were friends, not friends, but LinkedIn with me. And now they're like, they're like lawyers now, and so I'm, I don't even know if half these guys that I would even predict are still playing.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh,
2: I don't know. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Tony Cousineau, uh, which is obviously a horrible choice, but Dan Smith probably is the way to go.
0: <laughs> All right. How many events will Phil Ivy play, and how many will he cash in? The uh, number of events range from 8 to 39 on the Poker News responses, and the caches range from 2 to 20. I have no frame of reference on this. I, no, I know. I, I don't follow him anymore i haven't heard anything from him recently I, I don't know how interested he is in playing i don't know if he's vaccinated <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> like, there's all kinds of things i don't know here and uh so this is why we would not be, be good on this one so plus uh, there's I, the
2: whole borgata lawsuit thing right i mean if he does play in cash he's got to turn it over to them still like, i'm sure that's not paid in full right so
0: yeah again that's been so long too i don't know what's going on with that either so yeah you're right so unreal yeah. The only wager I was willing to make here is that he'll cash in 40% of the events he enters. Okay. I feel, that makes I feel, sense. feel pretty safe on that number. I don't have any idea how many events, but uh, the dude cashes when he plays. Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, what do you think players will make of the flip and go uh, bracelet? Um, lots of different opinions uh, from the Poke News staff, with most admitting that <laughs> it uh, may be, uh, many that will, many we, yeah, skeptical. Or snub it, uh, but it'll eventually like it and be excited about it. I, I can't see anyone being excited about it. I mean, it, only the per, one out
2: of 10 are going to like it. <laughs> I mean, that's what, or one out of nine or whatever. I mean, it, to me, it's like, okay, uh, it's not a rebuy tournament where you could put in your 1100. And then, unless oh, maybe you can, maybe you can re-enter. I don't know. I've no, got, I don't think so. Because yeah. I, I think
0: the way it's structured, I'm like, it can't. It can't have re-entry. Yeah. So.
2: so flip and go. I mean, you got a one in whatever shot, nine or ten shot of moving on. You know, and then it's just like a tournament later with, you know, one tenth of the field, and we all have a lot more chips. It's it's weird. You're gonna get some a lot of loose play later on. Early on, I mean, and you know that could be interesting, but well, I mean, you have to flip a coin.
0: Interesting is that after that first hand, then it's just a normal tournament, so I, I don't think anything changes out of that, other than the fact that you're you're in the money, so you feel – players always feel more comfortable when they're in the money, right? Right, so, so they're
2: going to be loose. They're going to have a ton right. of chips with a smaller – I mean, unless they've already adjusted the, the blind structure for everyone to have that many chips. Yeah, yeah. that I don't
0: – I mean, I'm sure they did. I mean, there's no way that – I, I mean, I think they're smart on the structure on how long they want this thing to last, I, I would think. But I don't, know. I don't just, know.
2: This just falls into the carnival
0: games thing for me. Well, all right. So here's the thing. I thought about this a lot because uh, we're hating on it. I've been hating on it. I just don't get – I honestly don't get it. I mean, there's literally no skill at the beginning other than the fact that you get three cards and you have to pick the two best there. But that's like pineapple. I'm like yeah, – yeah. But the only difference is there's not a flop, but there's a flop, and it's that's what makes pineapple crazy pineapple interesting right because yeah. now you gotta decide whether you want to go for the flush or keep your two pair or whatever right right It's free flop, so I mean there is some strategy there, not just dismissing it out of hand completely, but not enough to make it <laughs> you know anything much more different than blackjack, I would think right um. But, so the more I thought about it, I'm like, I, I'm trying to see your reaction. Obviously, this thing is very popular online, uh, from what people say. So people like it. Um, now, whether they like it at $1,100 at the World Series is our question. And I guess the more I thought about it, I mean, all right, let's take, if you were a, a recreational player, like you and I, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, most recreational players would love to be able to tell their friends that they cashed in a World Series event, right? Yeah. Um... And this is probably your best chance of cashing in an event if you're a rec play, right? Because literally, you just have to win this flip, <laughs> <laughs> and you can say you cashed in a World Series event, right? Yeah, but if it's ten, 10 handed, I mean, you have a one
2: in ten shot. It's like ten coin flips. It's not a. Yeah,
0: you're still not putting in the hard work of playing to cash. You're it, it's it, it's a you're you're picking a. Rock out of a bag like on Survivor, right? so um, and so. I, I guess that's why I think it might be also interesting to pros because you know pros you're working on your hourly rate, right, right? And and the time commitment involved to cash. Eleven hundred bucks is probably nothing to any established pro, right? Right. So you will know. Within the first five minutes, whether you made money or not, right? <laughs> so if you flip in, you go out of the tournament, <laughs> then you go play cash. You enter another tournament. And, you know, maybe you go to the Aria Series or whatever, right? And you haven't wasted ten hours of play to not cash, like you normally would, right? I would find that I think that might be attractive to them as well, too.
2: Well, that's the other thing I was thinking was that it. I I know you were introducing the subject with, you know, the everyday, every Joe, whatever guy wants to, you know, tell the story that he cash, But they're not going to come up with $1,100. bucks. they are going to want to get their money's worth, not for a story. Tell you what, Scott, you want to tell that story? Give me $500. bucks. Like, i will give you a bargain at it. And you can tell the whole world you cash, and I'll back you up on it. Right? <laughs> I mean, other than Hendon Mob, you know, disproving that fact. I mean, really. I mean, it's, yeah, that's me, a lot of money for a story.
0: Let me clarify that. I think it would be the rec players with money. So, not know okay. people but okay. like yeah. doctors, lawyers, those kind of folks that uh, you know that got swept up in the poker boom years ago um that uh, that we saw you know plunk down these ten thousand dollars for these classes before <laughs> the right. World Series right. they were entering paying buying themselves in the main event for ten thousand dollars uh those are the kind of people I think that for them eleven hundred dollars would be worth the coin. The not the coin flip, I guess the die uh, <laughs> die toss, yeah. The, the ten sided Dungeons yeah, and Dragons the, die yeah, toss. The, dra- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, we'll see. It will be, see, it, it's already got more buzz. than
2: the- See, there's the buzz. That's the buzz we talked about earlier. Uh, this is one of the <laughs> things that now we're creating buzz for this stupid event. <laughs> not good,
0: which must mean it's not really stupid after all, I guess. All right, how many players will enter the main event and by favorite and reference the last main that last true main event was twenty nineteen that attracted eight thousand five hundred and sixty nine entries um, let's see so what they said was uh, the range there was five thousand eight hundred and eighteen to nine thousand one hundred and twenty five so some folks actually think it's going to be bigger this year than it was last in in twenty nineteen um Where do you go? This is hard to – I thought
2: this was going to be one of the easier ones to answer, and it's not because – and I'll give a quick thing. So, uh, you know, I'm a member of these bonsai clubs, and we every year have an auction at our club. So people will bring in the trees that they're tired of or don't want anymore or they've got to get rid of or whatever it is, and then people will auction them off. And, you know, we have a decent amount – well, this last auction we had was the first one we had in two years because the one before was shut down because of COVID – and people, we have made a record for the amount of money we, we raised for the club. It was remarkable how much money because they had two years of just wanting to sell their trees and two years of people wanting to buy trees that yep. they had all their money saved up. And yep. they So if you take that angle, this could be like a huge World Series. But then you have to remember, uh, only if you're vaccinated are you going to play. And a lot of people who, even if they are vaccinated, don't want to sit in a room with people – Regardless, because you can still catch it whether you're vaccinated or not, and so this is hard to guess. I'm still gonna go like I did with the the foreign travel stuff, where I'm gonna say a smaller number, but you never know. People are clamoring to to spend that money that they've been making online for the last you know two years or whatever, all these you know paychecks that they've been saving to go play poker seriously. Now they got two years to save up their bankroll, and so it's hard to answer, but I'm still gonna say closer to six thousand
0: yeah I, I think you hit all the the points I was gonna make it's it, it's the difficulty is balancing the the vaccination uh, mandate and the um approach to our opinions on vaccination uh versus the pent up demand and and we know there's pent up demand I mean, I mean we saw our world championship seventeen events all of them wrecking, breaking events every single one of them was the biggest event <laughs> that we've yeah, ever had exactly yeah that's a little different because there wasn't a vaccination uh, mandate there. So uh, we don't get a true sense of what that what that meant with that. So that's what makes it difficult. So here's kind of some of the math that I did, though. Um, so the most recent polls I, I've seen now say that we're down to only 20 percent of Americans who are still firmly anti-vax. You know, that number keeps going down as they can't go to concerts or they get fired from their jobs or right, whatever. right. Uh, so if you were an, firmly anti vaccine and then all of a sudden they took away something like then all of a sudden you you reassessed your, <laughs> your priorities <laughs> right. So it's it's twenty percent now, right? So so I kind of started there. I just took wiped twenty percent off at the twenty nineteen number, I think. Um the, the foreigners one, as we mentioned, is really hard to predict because I just don't know, you know, all those things that you mentioned earlier where they're gonna come. Also, there's a, a, a they're part of that other 20 percent too i think right yeah um so i i'm kind of kind of went like 10 percent that so i'm kind of looking like a 30 percent reduction so that would get us down to Uh, (laughs) 5,998 and i said 6,000 that's hilarious so yeah so yeah but it's price is right so i'll win (laughs) and i went over (laughs) uh but but again that that's all based on that that's just cold hard vaccination math right that the doesn't account for what you mentioned uh, and i think there is I and mean, we have seen it very anecdotally i'm not saying this is a trend but very anecdotally i've seen on twitter people say uh i got vaccinated just to play the world series so i mean that that was a trigger point for some like losing their job was a trigger point for other ones or be not being able to go back to college or not being able to see a uh, kiss like i'm gonna see for the first time <laughs> next week um so you know I, That's what makes that difficult. So that 20% might not be – I was actually trying to do some math on that. I'm like, what I thought in the poker world. I mean, so that's 20% of the normal American population, right? Mm -hmm. That's firmly anti-vax. For whatever reason, and maybe this is offensive, so let me know (laughs) what it is. But I was thinking that number might be higher in the poker world. I I would think there's a higher percentage of poker players who are firmly – still firmly anti-vax. Now, I say still – that's before the World Series announced the mandate. So, yeah, yeah. Um, for whatever reason, it just it seems like poker players would be more skeptical of. I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know why that is, but that's it was my feeling. So that's because we play ninety
2: nine percent of our poker in Florida.
0: Yeah, it could be. And so the yeah.
2: people you're you're associated with in Florida, a lot of them here are anti vax So you know that could be your impression. Whereas if we were playing in New York or Connecticut, you might not feel that way. But could just be, been, yeah. I mean that's what we get when we play here. So.
0: I mean, I think maybe it's more the gambling kind of thing. I know we don't like to call it poker gambling, but you know, we are putting up money, um, Risking, yeah. risky, right? So it is a gamble. So you know, I maybe that's it. But so, but then I, 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 I negated all that out uh, with the pen up demand argument. So yeah, that's where I, I stayed solid at thirty percent. So so right around six thousand, I guess. So I mean, I well,
2: don't know. It'll be fun to talk about it now as we move forward. You should probably save this file and like. You know, and get what the answers are to these questions later on. It'd be kind of fun to to review it. Um, yeah, but
0: absolutely. I think
2: you, I went six thousand. You went five thousand nine hundred and ninety eight. So we're going to go with five thousand nine hundred ninety nine as the official Annie It's guess.
0: Official Annie of guess. Annie of <laughs> <laughs> All right, our final prediction. What will two thousand twenty one be the year of at the World Series? Uh, most answers were COVID related. Um, the second most popular was the year of the pros. So two things that you mentioned there, right? That. Uh, there are going to be more pros there this year um so there that makes sense i find it really hard that people are going to remember the 2021 world series for anything other than covid though right right
2: for the fact that it was the you know it was the year the first year back from it while it was still going on and while you know they were insisting on the the vaccinations and this is all the whole reason why we're even having this discussion is because of covid the whole thing you know uh, other than the rant and the buzz i mean it's all pretty much, hey, what's COVID going to do to these things? What's COVID going to do to that? Is Phil Ivey going to be because he vaccinated? So every single question basically touched on COVID. So I, I don't see how it's not related.
0: To well, COVID. yeah, and you've got so many different storylines, too. You've yeah. got, you know, how many people are going to come? What is the environment going to be like there? Um, uh, is there going to be an outbreak? Because, you know, staff still doesn't have to be vaccinated, right? So, I mean, there could be, or at least they, you know, how Twitter spreads stuff. I mean, it right. could be the um assumption that there's an out um and then then of course the, you've got i mean there's other factors that you know so that article about well, what's different this year and uh there's a couple things that i think that um will affect it and we will have to see how it affects it uh one obviously by moving it to fall completely different weather dynamic and weather does play i mean this is indoors i know right but Weather does play a factor, I think, um, in the World Series because during the summer it's it's one hundred and twenty degrees outside and forty six degrees inside everywhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and if you're the type of person that that revels in that, that's great. That's not me. Um, I think the fall weather, I think, because uh, again, remember, poker is is quite a bit mental, right? So that weather could affect some people differently than others. So. There's that, um, and then the other interesting thing I thought um, that I saw an article on was the marijuana. Uh, now it's been legal uh, recreationally in Vegas probably since 2019, so it might have been since the last one. But now they have they're gonna have cannabis lounges now where you can actually smoke it inside. Wow. Uh, now whether that what that means, I don't know. Again, but it, it, it's a new twist uh that we haven't seen so there's gonna be some i guess my point in that whole last rant was there's some external things too beyond covid that will have an effect this year so uh i don't know we'll see but uh yeah i think it will be year of the covid though hard to imagine it won't be yeah all right so we've been holding this for a while um and might as well talk about it now since we're up to 99 beers on the wall or 99 (laughs) braces on the wall whatever uh, Earl Burton writing on Poker News Daily asks whether we are devaluing poker trophies and awards by giving too many out now he says in the olden days it was easy to determine the best players now with bracelets and trophies in so many events it's harder to make that determination his idea make online bracelets and trophies separate from live ones especially in the World Series of Poker
2: so I read this and I I, I don't remember it I mean I read it and I don't remember what he means by this like how do you make them separate what does that even mean so, what do you say that the guy won online bracelets, but he didn't win physical bracelets? I, I don't know what that even means. Uh, first I mean, of all, I guess all.
0: It's the same thing as separating circuit rings from World Series bracelets. I mean,
2: but what does it mean? Separate them? They're still you're still going to win an award. You're still getting a trophy.
0: Right, but I, I mean, I guess it's a quantification thing. So this person won ten online bracelets, while this other one won seven live ones. So I mean, he, he's making an assumption. I think that the online ones are, are well, certainly different, uh, which we agree with that. But uh, I don't know if his assumption is that it's easier to win online or easier to win live or what. But he thinks there's a difference that it should be separated. I,
2: so he's saying when you say – I'm just you, trying to –
0: yeah, I know what you're getting at too. Yeah. And, uh,
2: but the whole point of it, I thought, was that there's just too many awards. Essentially what he's saying is there's too many events. Because every event needs to have something at the end. Otherwise, why are you playing? You're not just playing for the cash if you're playing on a tour or if you're playing at a prestigious event. So now he's trying to devalue the prestige of these events because, I mean, what makes it prestigious? The trophy. You know, what makes it prestigious? The fact that there's a 1,000 people playing in it or that there's 10,000 people playing in it or there's 100 people. I mean, so, okay, so if I go down the street and I win at our local club here, it's not prestigious because anybody can get in for fifty bucks, and I beat thirty people. So if it's prestigious, then you've got to win something for that. And generally, it's an award or a trophy. Now we're on this, we're on this uh, bandwagon. We, we've always talked about there's just way too many events now. There just is, but everyone wants their slice of the pie. The slice is getting smaller, but th- there's nothing you can do about it except for categorizing it. And who's in charge of categorizing it? And even then, it just sounds. It sounds silly to me to say, "Oh, because this guy beat ten thousand people online, his bracelet's not as valued as sitting across from ten thousand people." Uh, right. And the green felt. It's just—it's a weird argument, and I—I I agree with the fact that it's too many. There's just so many events, and they're—they're they're just greedy with how many events they're putting in the World Series. But I don't—I don't know about separating them. It doesn't even—that doesn't even computate with me. I don't understand how you do that.
0: I mean, here's the hard truth, is that you've got to be able to uh, adjust with the changing and quantify those changes, right? So, I mean, to say, hey, quit planning events, (laughs) it's just not realistic, right? Right. So, and to say, hey, you can't have online poker now when it's 2021 and we all carry around a device 24 hours a day that we can play poker on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Doesn't make sense either, so... (coughs) I think what you need to do, I mean, I think that the thinking is old school that bracelets and trophies are the way that we evaluate a player's skill. Um, and I think we're well beyond that now. So that I think the discussion isn't that way. The discussion is, is quantifying it. And I would say you talk to uh, Dan Smith going back to the first thing and ask him whether he's a good player or not. I think he's going to say he's a good player. <laughs> exactly. Forty, fifty million million, $50 million playing this game, but he doesn't have a bracelet. So does that make him any less than some weekend warrior like us that, you know, had a good run at the tables one year at the World Series and got a bracelet? No. So, I mean, it's all how you quantify that. So, and I, you know, if if I had that lucky run and got a bracelet this year, I would never say I'm a better player than Dan Smith. So, you know, and I wouldn't expect anybody else to either. So I, I think it's, his beef is probably more a media beef, right? That we keep talking about bracelets and trophies, but you know we just like we like quantifying and we quantify in different ways but and and there has been a big push to try to quantify better. I mean these player of the year rankings that are all computerized with algorithms that that's all an attempt to try to quantify it better, but we've talked about this forever on this show there's no way. That you will ever be able to quantify a poker player's true skill because there's no way to quantify in cash games.
2: Exactly, and that's a lot of people don't even think of tournaments as real poker. Yeah, you know, and it's always been that way. They're like, you want to tell me uh, the best players in the world are go sit in the the big game at Aria or wherever it is now, yeah. and and that's the, those are the best poker players in the world. They're playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars every day, all the time, and the other people are entering it and they're winning tournaments. Tournaments is not make you a better poker player. A lot of these people, their whole tournament based uh approach is like, okay, using my big stack against you, you know, cash games is every single hand is a war. Tournaments are are totally different. There's flips and and okay, the math tells me to shove here. No one says the math tells me to shove here in a cash game. You know, it just doesn't happen. I mean, it happens when it's like, okay, uh, raise, re-raise, re- all that crap, and then you got to put your money in because you only have any more money in front of you. But there's no like, hey, you know, what? I got the biggest stack at the table. I'm shoving every hand in a cash game. That's not happening because yep. it's not skill. You know, I mean, it's a different kind of skill, but it doesn't make you a great
0: poker player. It makes you a good mathematician. So, yeah, so, I mean, that's really his answer is that you have to quantify separately. I mean, it's just impossible to have one single standard per quantification. So. So you need to be able to say this is one of the best tournament players in the world. This is one of the best cash game players in the world. And within the tournament, then you need to be able to say this is one of the best online tournament players in the world. And this is one of the best live. I mean, you're just gonna have to do it that way. And I know that's frustrating for some people, but
2: yeah, it's you know. it's weird. And I don't, I mean, and I don't think anyone who actually plays for a living gives a rat's ass about any of that. You All know, right. it's just for us, like you said, in the media trying to quantify these people when you write about them or talk about them or have them on your show or something like that or in your magazine. You're thinking, why am I going to interview this guy? He's only won an online bracelet. Well, okay, well, we're saying that that is more valuable than winning one in person because they beat 45,000 people without getting a tell, you know, or whatever. So, you know, it's it's just a quantifying thing that helps make it easier for us to discuss them. But in the true value of how people play, I don't think awards are... Or and it's it still, really,
0: really yeah. necessary because you know we've been in the media our entire lives, right? If, mm-hmm. if you want to quantify somebody or describe someone, you find the best thing you can describe them with, right? Yeah. So if it's ten bracelets, that's what you're going to call it. If uh, they made fifty million dollars in live tournament winnings, that's what you're going to describe them as, right? right so right. you know, so I mean, they're going to get described as something. So I mean, again, it gets back to just if you're upset that it's all about bracelets, that that's fine, but that's that's not how. Uh, the true quantification is going to happen anywhere, I don't think. so. Maybe Earl disagrees, though.
2: Well, that was the longest banter we've had in ages on this show. And we didn't even talk about Survivor. Weren't you, like, wanting to talk about Survivor too?
0: Yeah, I didn't put it on the show yet because I wasn't sure I was going to watch last night. I was, so I, I will put that on the show next week. <laughs> uh, all <right>. Two weeks. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it two weeks. <laughs> uh, okay, Any Updates.
2: Papes, the Annie Up Fans free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site, is available everywhere. Details on how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P A I P S. Games are on the 6th, 16th, and 26th every month and rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. Poker Stars let you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Uh, also, you can join the Anti Fans Group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask Call to Four questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Anti logo designs on merchandise at antip slash shop. T shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and much more with your choice of Anti Up Magazine, Anti Up Poker Cast, or Anti Up Poker logos. If you have a hand of the week, a listener spotlight, or a call to floor submission, email us at podcast at com or post in the Anti Up Fans group on Facebook. Hey, we're going to complete no Mally's Move today. Uh, so here comes part one to refresh our memories. We'll see you on the other side.
1: And welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a one-dollar, two-dollar No Limit Hold'em home game. This game is ridiculously deep-stacked, as the buy-in ranges from one hundred to one thousand. Most players buy in for the max, but the action is usually relatively loose pre-flop, and then can get pretty jumpy after the flop. The game is six-handed. The blinds post, the under the gun calls, and we're in the MP with 8.50, down 150, and the 10 of spades, 10 of clubs. This is a great starting hand six handed. The table standard raise is 4x, but we account for the limper. We make it $10 to go. The cutoff calls. This player is a speculative one pre-flop, but plays aggressive most of the time after the flop. He bought in for 1,000 and currently sits with 11.50, he's up 150. The small blind folds, the big blind calls, and the under-the-gun calls. There's roughly $40 in the pot, and the river is a fairly safe 9 of hearts, 9 of diamonds, 5 of spades. It's check to us. A check might be the best move here. There's no draws, really, and if we're up against the 9, we're pretty much dead in the water. I, however, decided to bet. I made it $30 to go, leaving me around 800 left. All players call. What is going on here? With 160 in the pot, the turn is the tray of clubs. The two players before me once again check. I like a check for pot control here. The cutoff leads out for 100, leaving him around 1000 behind. The big blind and under the gun both fold. This feels like an in-position player trying to steal the pot. Maybe he has us on ace-king or something. We make the call. With $360 in the pot, the river is the four of spades. I like more pot control. We check. Our opponent thinks briefly before betting $300. What's the move?
0: All right, a nine would play this the same way as a player trying to take the pot from us after we slowed down, so I'm a little worried that our opponent is described as speculative, which would make the nine more possible. Uh, but it does seem we are ahead here, uh, a proverbial coin flip that you have to make that decision by gut check, staring down your opponent. Yeah, and like I said last week,
2: uh, O'Malley talks about the river there, but he means a flop, so I am very scared of a nine here. Um, you know, just because we have an overpair doesn't mean we're good, or that a nine isn't possible. We only really beat a bluff here, and smaller pairs wouldn't have probably played it the way he did, so really, it's just you're beating a bluff, so, um... There's a lot of cards out there I think I have to fold. After all, it is just tens, right, Daniel? Just okay. <laughs> Here comes part two. Hello again. This run out just sucks.
1: If an overcard had come, we might have been able to get away from this. The only draw that got there was seven six. suited might be in this player's range, although calling our nearly pot-sized bet on the flop doesn't fit this player's style. I think if he was going to play 7-6 beyond the flop, he probably would have raised us there to try to push us off and maybe pick up equity on the turn. There was one huge clue that I overlooked. This player is aggressive. Aggressive players don't usually flat call paired flops. Unless... Yeah, we made the call. Our opponent tabled the jack of clubs, nine of clubs for flopped trips, and we need to add on. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, slow down and think about your opponent's style and tendencies. It could save you money. I hope to see you on the felt.
0: Yeah, I kind of go back to how the player was described. Uh, but in the heat of hands, we sometimes forget that or let ourselves believe that this is the one time the player is stepping out of bounds, and uh, that often gets us in trouble, as it did here. Yeah, I feel like that bet was just too big
2: for me to make a hero call there, and the nine just felt so obvious from the description and, and from what we discussed. So I'm, I, I would have let it go. Um, that's a tough call to make there, but it's just tens. Yeah, you know, it's just tens. Next hand, just please. Tens. Right. <laughs>
0: All right, it's time for the advanced poker training.com, hand of the week, send your hands or situations a podcast at com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Don Hanum is the one that sent us the hand this week, Chris. All right. And uh he actually sent like a little uh, animation off of Global Poker, which is kinda of cool, but you don't get the you don't get to enjoy that. So yeah. <laughs> Near to our listeners. So, old school here. So, All right. Uh, uh, this is a $0.50, cent, $1, six max, no limit game on global poker. And he says at this level, the field tends to be pretty competent with a few maniacs thrown in. I don't have any notes on the main villain in this hand, so I don't have any reason to believe he's a maniac. He just sat down at the table. He's under the gun and posts the blind. He sits with a full $100 stack and checks his action. Um, hmm, how do you check under the gun? Because I missed that. Uh, hijack folds, cut off limp, also limp. So maybe he limped, if that's what it is. Oh, yeah, because he posted his blind, so they probably... Oh, maybe, he posted I gotcha, I got Yeah, you. so
2: you go to him first, and he checks, and goes to anything. I gotcha,
0: yep, okay, that makes sense. Okay, so, alright, so he, he checked his option, hijack folds, cut off limps, who also has a $100 stack, button folds, and we are in the small blind, uh, with just over $100, and have been dealt, as he says, the dreaded offsuit Cosenza. ace <laughs> of spades, ten of diamonds.
2: Does that make me like the Dread Pirate Roberts on uh, Princess <laughs> Bride or something? I don't know. I'm still trying to shed this Ace-10-Cassenza thing, but it's not working. Nope. Nope. I'm not, not going to mention it in the recap or anything. I'm just going to say it's Ace-10. But um, let's see. I I don't know. I mean, we're in the small blind. So I'm going to be out of position no matter what I do if I want to try to take control of this hand. I'm still going to have to deal with people behind me acting. And ace Ten's not a great hand. Um, it's a decent hand for a blind, so it's a decent hand to call with. A lot of times people are going to put you on crap cards that just don't want to give up the the, the dollar, or in this case, 50 cents, so I don't like a raise here. I mean, we're going to be out of position, and, you know, it's a a 6 max table, so your ace-10 is strong, but you're still out of position. I'd rather be strong and in position, so I'm not going to fold because it's a decent hand, especially if you pop a 10 or an ace, and You've only got Lippers ahead of you, so limpers generally don't have better than Ace Ten. So
0: I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna just call and uh, watch the flop. Yeah, I think that's the right play here. There wasn't a raise. Uh, There's a raise. I could throw this in immediately in the muck, uh, but there wasn't a raise. I've got a chucking fifty cents here. We've Got a couple uh, customers already. Hand flops big, great. If not, hey, fifty cents was well worth it. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think really the only play here is is the call. All right. Our hero says, yeah, yeah, I know the danger, but I'm not going to just let the limpers get off easy. I raise the $6, expecting to isolate the cutoff. But big blindfolds, but both the undergun and cutoff call with little hesitation. Yeah. Um, all right. So, I mean, here's kind of the problem is that now, as you mentioned, we're out of position. Uh, we have a weak ace. So now we're playing, you know, for two pair straight, um, a 10 um and even then we're not feeling too confident so and we're gonna have to put a a continuation bet out here and these now we got two players that we got to get through here so i don't know i I think we invited danger here
2: as he says yeah i agree and i've wasted not wasted but i've put out more money that i didn't have to put out to see this flop and and it's not about that i mean we talk about how you use your your chips as tools and stuff but i just think in this case the tool was you know not a hammer. It should have been, you know, a screwdriver or something. I don't know. <laughs> just just kind of relax and, and do it calmly and gently here. Not, not try to. You a screwdriver
0: doesn't have the same ring as I've got a hammer in that piece.
2: <laughs> exactly, because it's weaker. So you want to yeah. be weaker. So, um, no, it doesn't mean it's not going to work out in our favor. We're going to have more money in the pot because of it. I'm just saying, you know, you're going to have to act last. Why risk more money than you have to initially? So I True. just like a limp there.
0: Okay, Uh pot is $19, the flop is the 5 of spades, 10 of spades, 7 of hearts, and of course we are first deck.
2: Well, if you and I had played this hand with a limp, I don't know if I would have done anything differently. I probably still would have bet out. Uh, they would have probably thought I hit a 5 or a 7 because I was in the blinds and not maybe put me on a 10, or yep. maybe they have jack 10 or something, but I think I still would have bet out just to protect because 8, 9 could be out there. Uh, 6-8 could be out there, 5-7 could be I want to see what kind of, you know, and a couple of spades, so it's kind of a wet flop here, even though it looks safe. Um, We have top-top, I'm going to bet, so I'm probably going to bet pretty big, too. I'm probably going to bet, you know,
0: close to pot. Yep, I think anywhere from 14 to 19 is appropriate bet here, anything less than that, you're you're letting people off here, Uh, definitely has to be on the high side. If somebody wants to bet pot here, I'm not going to say a bad thing about them, so... I'd probably go 15 just because I like those nice little even numbers when I'm playing live. I like the odd numbers when I'm playing online. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, anywhere in that range, I think, is is, is perfect. All right, our hero says, from my experience, limp call ranges include a lot of weak suited aces, suited connectors, or one gappers, and smallish pairs with top, top on this board. I'm in pretty good shape for now, except for the monsters on the bed, especially since I have the ace of spades. But with a lot of middle of the deck cards and the opponent's ranges, the flop probably hit at least one of them. I bet fifteen dollars to charge the draws and worse tens and fold out low pocket pairs and seven five hands or seven x five x hands. I'm mean, sorry. Right, right. Uh, Says so the end of the gun calls immediately and the cutoff folds. All right, yep. I think that was right in my range. So cool. We got uh, got one player out and I uh, still feel like we're probably ahead here. So we'll see how the hand develops, though. I'm gonna focus
2: on that word immediately too. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not, not, I'm not saying it's always this way, but a lot of people, if they have a decision to make, or it's like, oh, is my pair good here, or is he bluffing, they take some time. When they call immediately, it's because they automatically see a draw and they think, okay, that's in a reasonable price. I can, you know, hit yep. the drive and make this draw. So they, they kind of tend to bet or call quickly when they have a draw. And I know that's standard stuff from magazines and books, but really is especially online. So. I think uh, I'm going to focus on that and think this guy might be drawn. So I'm going to put the hammer down on the
0: turn if it's safe. So, uh, Yeah, so the only interesting thing, I think you're right, but the only interesting, if it, it, what's the draw here? It has to be 8-9, right? I, I don't see any other draw that would uh, call the $6 raise from a small blind. And even 8-9 seems a little... Uh, well, you're talking about
2: straights, but the flush, it could be ace-5 or ace-4 right, spades eight, or something. Yeah
0: but, yeah, but we have the ace of spades, which is really important in this hand, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I mean, you could have a king, king seven of spades. <laughs> but we, you're not going to call a 6 hour race for that either. So, yeah. I mean, you I mean, could maybe have a king queen,
2: queen of spades,
0: king queen of spades, yeah. maybe. Yeah, It's yeah.
2: yeah. not always to be a nut flush to call a draw. You people yeah. turn yeah. over yeah. crap flushes all the time and beat you. Yeah.
0: yeah. Hmm. All right. I guess we'll see what happens here. All right, uh, pots forty nine dollars to turn us the seven of clubs. So the board now is five of spades, ten of spades, seven of hearts, seven of clubs, and we are still first act.
2: Well, I mean, you don't like seeing the seven because you're thinking, uh, the guy stuck around because he had a seven. So now you got to think about specific sevens that would have played this hand that way. So seven six, maybe seven eight, maybe a seven, maybe. You know, some sort of ace of club seven. No, because even seven clubs and seven hearts. So, a seven of spades. No, we have the ace of spades. So, it has to be literally the a seven of diamonds to be the hand that would have that, that we think would limp, or the six, seven, seven, eight stuff that we talked about. Um, so, you have to think about it. You have to put some money out here. If you check now, they'll they'll just steal this pot from you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> pot so from you, which is, uh, again, the danger in playing from position. The... Exactly. So,
2: I mean, I'm going to bet probably half the pot here, whatever that, what did you say, the pot was
0: Forty nine. Yeah,
2: 25. so 25, 27, something like that.
0: Yeah, so I guess here's the reason I'm not as scared about the 7 as I might should be is because of that quick call, which we just talked about. The quick call is, yeah. again, almost always that draw, right? Yeah. I don't think it's middle pair that quickly calls. I mean, I think at that point you got to think. Um, you got to think a little bit longer. I mean, not forever, but... Uh, it just doesn't fit in that immediate call. So for whatever reason, maybe I'm, I'm talking myself into uh, losing my stack here, but the 7 doesn't scare me as much as I, I think at first blush it should.
2: Yeah, the only hand that quickly calls that has a 7 in it is 7-8 of spades, maybe. Yep, yep. And, and, you know, that's such a specific hand.
0: Specific, right, yeah. So I'm going to stick with the bet here. Yeah, and if we're going to worry about that that level of specificity, then we should worry about sets <laughs> Alright, Right, right. right. So, Uh, Okay, our hero says, uh, sigh. Okay, so there's a (laughs) possibility the villain would still call with a 7, knowing that I have a lot of Broadway hands without 10s in my range, too. But something about how fast he called the flop made me me think he either had a worse 10 or a draw. All right, so that's exactly what we're thinking. He says, I bet $29 to keep up the pressure, and the villain quickly calls again. Uh, See, that quickly call, that's – I mean, and
2: that's a decent bet. But, you know, if you're seeing – let's see, there's 50 and 30, so or So If you see an 80 in the pot, you know, and you've got a decent stack in front of you and, you know, you're also waiting for me to slow down, he could still be saying, okay, I'm drawn, but I'm going to, if you give me any chance on the river, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to steal this pot from you with a float. So, um, yeah, that quickly call doesn't mean he has a seven. And I don't think he has a set in the boat now. So, I'm, uh, I'm thinking we're still ahead.
0: Yeah. So, uh... I mean, I don't know. So here's the problem now with the, the draw scenario that we had is this board is not exciting for draws now. It's paired. So I don't know if you quickly call again now. I'm not saying a draw is going to fold here, but I think now you slow down a little bit and and think things through a little bit more. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Ugh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Alright, the river, let's see, uh, pot's now $107, the river is the five of hearts, So our final board is five of spades, ten of spades, seven of hearts, seven of clubs, five of hearts, and of course, we are still first to act.
2: Well, again, we don't, we're, it's the same argument, that we weren't scared of the seven, we're not going to be scared of this five, nobody is quickly calling all this cash with a five in their hand, when we're proving that we have something better than a five in our hand. So... It wasn't a 5, and it's not a 7, so you could have a 10 like us, and we're beating any 10, so yeah. it's the same hand. Yeah. Yep. I don't see myself not betting here.
0: You know? uh, yeah, I mean, I guess what I would do, I could slow down here um, and call any any bet. Because um, if you slow down here, you give the option of the player bluffing at you back, whereas if he doesn't have anything, you bet out, he could fold. Um And if we are behind here, maybe we get away at a lower price than we would pay. So I think that's why I'm going to check. Um, I mean, I guess you risk the check behind with the best hand, but uh, I I don't know a lot of hands here (coughs) you have beat that are going to call at this point.
2: It's tough because when you think about value, you know, you're saying to yourself, well, this guy could have Jack 10, you know, and he's thinking he's good, but he might check behind because he's worried you have Queen 10 or Ace 10. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jack, likely. Know, hand. but yeah, a bet absolutely. gets a call, you know, a bet gets a call, whereas, you know, a check gets a check behind and you, know, you lose value. So I don't know. It's tough. And you were saying how we get away with. But if the guy shoves, now you got a decision to make rather
0: than. Well, I guess the shove yeah, is I, not that much. Shove is going to be, it's only going to be like 50 bucks. Because right, we, we both started. We started with about a hundred dollars pre flop. Yeah, so, yeah, like 50 bucks left, something like that.
2: Well, that's yeah. the thing, though, right? The bet's going to be 50 anyway, so why we're not going to fold to a $50 bet, so we might as well make that bet and get maybe the five folds. Maybe the five things we got a seven.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm betting. Hmm. It's an interesting dilemma because if he's got nothing, the only way he's going to put the $50 in is if we check and he tries to bluff us off of this. Uh, now, a good player would know $50 is not big enough to bluff here with. Really against us, so he's probably not going to do so. If you think of it that way, then yeah, then maybe we do have to put the money in ourselves. Yeah, I'm bet. Yeah, I mean, that, that probably had more. More I thought about it. Yeah, that does make more sense to bet here. So, all right, our hero says, I have to admit that I wasn't really expecting the call and turn, but that insta call still reg- registered with me as trying to seem strong when turn trips at least contemplate raising for a few seconds or was the few seconds I took to size my bet all the time he needed to determine that he was going to let me hang myself. With only a half pot-sized bet left, I paused and fell back on the position. No worse hands are going to call a bet now, and no better hands are going to fold. I check. The villain takes about five to seven seconds and shoves his remaining $50.
2: Well, I'll disagree a little bit. No worse hands are going to call a bet now. I would think that Queen-10 or Jack-10 or King-10 would call here. So, I mean, you didn't play it like you had a 5 or a 7. You played it like you had a 10. Um, and it just depends how good your 10 was, you know. And you could have raised with Jack 10. People do that all the time because they just, especially six-handed, you know, they're like, hey, I want to get some guys out of this, all these limpers out and play my Jack 10 the way, you know, play it like it's strong, blah, blah, blah. So he might think he's better with Queen 10. So I would I would definitely think that you can get a call if somebody has a 10, um, even 9-10. So, um, because now the other thing, too, is, how many times have we played poker where the board double pairs and somebody makes a bet with an ace in their hand, thinking they're good because you didn't you didn't hit yep. any of those pairs the way you played it? So now they might think, oh, I might ace three of spades. Well, no, we're not. He has a spade. We had the spade. But let's just say somebody had like an ace, like we said earlier, you know, ace six of hearts or something, and they were just, you know, but you never know. So any random ace out there could conceivably think that their hand is good and they're going to bet on the end or call your bet because they have an ace. So I don't know what the ace would be when we try to play it back. It's hard to have, imagine an ace that would keep maybe calling.
0: An ace-jack, maybe. That might be the only one. Ace-queen, it's kind of hard to imagine there. But ace-jack is kind of that middle range where you would call that raise. But would you have called all the way with ace-jack? you got two overs there. Um, By that turn with seven? Continuation betting. Yeah, I mean, I mean that point is really pretty valid when the when you have those two pairs out there that now that your ace feels better. Um, your naked ace feels better. So, I mean, I don't know. We don't we don't know anything about this player. So, you know, it's fifty cent a dollar. Our our hero did describe that the the game plays pretty solid at that level. So, that does discount a lot of those hands, I guess, if that's the case. But we don't know this player either. So, well, the the thing that
2: I'll I'll go back to then is the float. So the guy could have played the same with ace jack, thinking that we're gonna we didn't hit this flop and he called, hoping to bet. And then when we bet again, he's like, I'm going to call again, have him check the river. But now he hits the two pair with his ace, so he could have ace-jack or something like that. And it just happened to be that he was floating us, hoping to outplay us because we were in a small blind. And now he's got the ace, and it worked out to his favor that he actually made a hand. So that's how the ace-jack could get there with all of these bets and everything, I think. So I disagree. So I think he could have I think he could have gotten a call from a couple of hands, at least, that were worse than his.
0: Okay, But well, we're definitely calling here. We're right? definitely so- calling, yeah, we're calling. All right, our hero says, I wish I could say that I quickly counted the combinations of bluffs versus the combinations of value that he would have, but I'm not that good. Knowing that I was getting three to one to make the call, knowing that I had opened the door wide to let him bluff, and still having the feeling that he wasn't that strong, I called. Villain shows the nine of clubs, eight of clubs, and hmm. spends the next ten minutes telling me what a horrible call it was. <laughs> uh, he says, looking back, I see the combinations, uh, and he lists a bunch of combinations, so 21 to eight, bluff the value. So, maybe it wasn't so bad after all. Thoughts?
2: Well, the 9 8, uh, he should have given it up on the turn, um, and he didn't. And then to say that it's a bad call, you have top pair, top kicker on a double paired board that you clearly didn't have any piece of, and I'm getting a ton of money on my call because it was 150, it would have been 157 for 50 bucks to win. So, you're getting a ton of uh, odds on your money with top pair, top kicker on a weird board that doesn't make a straight or a flush. I'm calling every time. Yeah. So yeah. this guy doesn't know what he's doing.
0: Yeah, there's there's no way you could say that was a horrible call. Um, again, the math was there. Uh, it, it go back to what we were talking about. I'm like, I mean, we got the 50 bucks out of this guy because we checked. Yeah. He, he wasn't going to call that 50 bucks with nine high. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. are so, right. You got the value. So that did work. And, but the problem was that he didn't have enough money left to run this bluff. Yeah. Uh, he would have been better off saving that fifty bucks knowing I mean, you know you're gonna lose if you check behind there, right? Yeah. Um, so now you gotta evaluate whether what the chances are you are of winning with that fifty dollars and and uh, you know, we always like to say, you know, you, you had to bet there to win in those scenarios, but that only works if you win. <laughs> you know, if if you get called, the, then you lose and you lose more. So you gotta you gotta figure out the value of that fifty dollars. And there just wasn't enough you didn't have enough um, screws in your screwdriver <laughs> to <laughs> to, uh, to to make that bluff work. So you were, I mean, it sucks, but you were, he would be better off checking behind and saving that fifty bucks for the next uh, next. I mean, and that was half of what he started with. So but, but that fifty dollars is not inconsequential. Here, exactly,
2: right? exactly. If you could save half your stack, and uh, you'd save half your stack no matter what size it is.
0: Yeah, I so. mean, there really was no expectation on our. Uh, it should have been no expectation on his point that we were not going to call it a fifty dollar bet. Yep, I agree, hundred percent. Don, so, thanks for the hand. I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm Scott
2: Long. We'll see you at the table.
1: AntiUp is a production of com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com if you'd like to advertise send an email to advertising at antiamagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.